Hello, everybody! Welcome to episode four of Going Deep with Matthew and Jeremy. Wow, I'm pumped up today. We have an awesome interview conducted by our main man, Jeremy Yolchul. Unfortunately, I was unable to make it, but of course, this guy always comes through. It was in the bottom of the ninth, two outs, two on. I don't know why there's two on, but there's still two outs, two strikes. And this guy comes through, as always. Guys, it was a great interview to listen to. I hope you guys enjoyed as well. Here we go. Welcome to episode four, guys, of Going Deep with Matthew and Jeremy. I'm lucky enough today to have a special guest with us. Works in the Dodger organization, works with the minor league guys, the major league guys, basically anything you can name. This guy does it. Thank you for coming on with us, Petey Montero. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So what's going on, man? How have you been during this whole quarantine time? Good, man. We've been super busy with a lot of Zoom calls, kind of like this, but with our players and uh, every Saturday I have a, uh, coaches, um, zoom call with a couple coaches, uh, like Dino Ebel, uh, Clay McCullough, our field coordinator shoe and a couple other guys. And, uh, we have special guests come on and talk to us, or we have questions about the game or situations we go over and just kind of communicate about those things. And, um, honestly been working on a few projects for the organization, helping out, um, with some man that we're working on to update uh, on our website. That's pretty cool that you have all that going on, even with everything um, going on. It's hard to communicate that you're still able to keep communication with them. Um, are you communicating with any of the major league guys or minor league guys at the same time? Um, I mean, there's been just some random text messages here and there from guys, but uh, most of it is, uh, I mean, even with the other guys that are in the minor leagues or, you know, upper in the, in the higher levels, they, uh, you know, we shoot them text messages to keep in touch just because I've had a relationship with a lot of those guys, making sure they're good. And then uh, we're all assigned to our own team and we have a group of players per team. And then we basically on a weekly basis, we put out a schedule. We were on a group text on WhatsApp and uh, we send out all the links. Hey, pitchers on this position players on this hitters meeting this day. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've been communicating with quite a few guys, a lot of coaches too, communicating, just checking up on guys. What are they doing on their end with their groups and trying to come up with some stuff to, to help with our players, because it does get a little tough when, you know, you start running out of PowerPoint presentation. Yes. Like what else can we talk about? Um, so it's been a mental grind for the coaches. I, I, I know that for a fact, but you know, we love it and we wouldn't be doing this if, you know, if we didn't like this. You know, that's great to hear. Um, so I, I actually had the opportunity to meet you. We spent a week together in Camelback, Arizona. Um, I was lucky enough to go out there with family. We get to play baseball for a week. We had you as a minor league coach for us. Um, we went, I think, six and one throughout the week, won a championship, probably your greatest championship ever, just like mine. <laughs> but, um, you know, it was just fun to hang out with you, learn learn about you and your past and everything like that. And if you could just share a little bit for our listeners to hear just a little bit about how you grew up, where you grew up, how you got into baseball and different things like that. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, I mean, baseball is a big part of my life. My dad is Cuban, so that's like, you know, my grandfather. That's already number one right there. Number one. So <laughs> the fact that I have a Cuban father, I mean, it helps out that baseball is a big part of his life, too. And you know, I started throwing a baseball when I was uh, one and a half, um, wow. you know, lifelong Dodger fan. And I mean, I just uh, was at my dad's right now and just checking things out. And uh, I mean, I'm looking at pictures when I was a little kid wearing Dodger uniforms, jerseys and stuff like that. And I uh, grew up in the city of San Fernando uh, and then played at Silmar Independent Baseball League, uh, which is in the Silmar area, which is not too far from me right now and uh, played there my whole life and then uh, played at San Fernando High School. Uh, you know, baseball has been a, I mean, it's still to this day, obviously, is, is part of my life and I'll never leave it, you know, leave it alone because I love the game too much and been around some really good people and, you know, now just trying to help the next uh, generation of players. Dude, that's, that's awesome to hear. Um, after high school, you told me that you were able to continue on to play started off at Dominguez Hills, um, where I actually graduated from last year. So go Toros. And then um, <laughs> there you go. There's the horns. So for those who don't know, we do the little horns. Use your pinky and your index. You got the horns for the Toros. Um, after Dominguez Hills, though, what did you go on? And what experiences did you get throughout that? What was kind of helped you grow as a baseball player? Yeah, so, um, I mean, 
just going back to high school, uh, I tore my ACL, my MCL, my, my lateral medial meniscus, my senior high school and, uh, lost some scholarship opportunities because of the injury told that I wasn't going to be able to play for at least a year. And I ended up coming back in three and a half months. Um, luckily I had good enough grades and, you know, scored well on my SATs and Dominguez offered me a scholarship. So I took it just because it was the only thing that was out there. And then, um, you know, had an okay season and I just decided that I wanted to move on past that. Um, and I ended up transferring to Los Angeles Harbor College, uh, Go Rats, in case some of you guys may, or may not know that. That's our uh, nickname, or the Rats. Uh, and, you know, had a really good year there, was playing really well, dealing with some knee stuff, had another knee surgery before that, that school year um, on my other knee and was battling with that. Um, and once the season was over, you know, school was good. I got all my classes done, scored, you know, had a really good GPA, all that. And we were getting into the last two weeks before school started. And I was battling between William Penn University and uh, Mount Mercy, uh, which is also in Iowa. Uh, both of those schools are in Iowa. And William Penn offered me a little bit more and a good opportunity. And I took it. A uh, kid coming from California going to Iowa, huge culture. Oh, I could imagine. Did you get any of those like uh, basketball kind of college contracts where maybe they're throwing you a car or anything like that? Uh, no. Nah. <laughs> I mean, no my, houses? No Reggie Bush style? No, my school was pretty small, but uh, it was made up of uh, 96% athletes were made up of wow. uh, So, I mean, there was only, I think, maybe 800 or a thousand students there in the whole university. And it was in a small town. It was really cool, fun. It was awesome to see snow fall. And then it kept falling and kept falling. <laughs> and I just want to go home. It's freezing out here. Yeah. Us Californians are not meant for that cold weather at all. No chance. So <laughs> I, like, I like the warm weather. <laughs> uh, I'm the same way. I, the only time I'm going to go see snow is if I'm going up to Big Bear or something like that. I'm going snowboarding. I'm coming right back home. There's no way you're going to keep me out there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, that's funny. Um, so after college, you had the opportunity to play uh, independent league ball, correct? That is correct. And my uh, first year was with the Long Beach Armada. And my manager was uh, Boomer, Steve Yeager. Um, so I've had a really good relationship with Boomer prior to playing for him because of uh, my mentor, um, they played together with the Dodgers, Reggie Smith. So I had met Boomer beforehand and, you know, didn't really interact with him that much, but enough to, he knew my name and so on. And then when there was an opportunity to play, he called Reggie and gave me a tryout and I ended up uh, making the team. So did that for one year. And then I played in Canada the following year. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was uh it was a lot of fun obviously it wasn't affiliated ball but the fact that i got to play some form of professional baseball it was you know well worth it for the experience for myself to pass on to younger players um at all ages not just you know the level that i'm at right now with professionals but you know i could do that with the younger kids that i mentor at the academy that i used to work at prior to um having my own and uh you know working with the youth for a long time I want to go ahead and jump into your academy, but before we do that, I remember you told me a funny story about having a legendary catcher for the Dodgers, Steve Yeager, as your manager. There was a game where you guys didn't have enough players. That is correct. correct? Do you think you can elaborate on that for me? Yeah, so we were uh, – so the whole thing was – and I and it's funny because I just graduated uh, college, and when I signed my contract, there was a whole thing that said um, you must have your passport to play in this league you know, or you got to have your passport because we have to go to Canada and Mexico. And um, we have the team. All of a sudden we start checking uh, uh, passports and people's passports have expired. or They don't have a passport. Um, we had to basically not release guys, but we had to put guys on the phantom uh, injured list. And then we had to call so-and-so players that we knew like, Hey man, can you come play with us? So we would give them like a week contract because we were going to Canada for a week and we still didn't have enough players. Pitchers had to hit and we had the DH in our, in our league. So the pitchers actually had to hit and <clears throat> Jaeger actually took himself off the manager <laughs> off as a manager and put himself as a player. So he was a player manager, player coach. 
and he almost had to play. Uh, it was really close for him to play. We had guys go down. I actually got food poisoning. I played for five days with food poisoning, puking my brains out in between innings. I mean, it was a disaster. And then uh, we, we were playing in Edmonton the first series, and then we went to Calgary, and that was a whole other thing too. And <laughs> I just remember getting thrown out, and Boomer got thrown out. It was – I mean, it was – it was pretty funny. <laughs> At any point, was he about to have to step in the batter's box? Yeah, he was. Uh, he was actually waiting. Uh, there was one guy in front of him, and the next guy comes up. So he was actually going to be on deck when <sighs> when the third out was made. And he's like, "Well, I guess I'm not hitting." Well, what's the feeling in the dugout right before that? You're seeing him. Have, I what, how old is he at this point? So he probably was. Maybe late fifties, early sixties. Oh my! So we, <laughs> you guys, almost had to send up an older fifty-year-old man to the plate to face professional pitching. Oh, <laughs> everybody had to be scared. Was everybody scared of the dugout for the for the guy or laughing? We were all laughing. It was. It was <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's great! Uh, thank you for sharing that story. Um, I know I love that story. I hope everybody else does. Um, but after baseball, um, fortunately in 2009, as you said, with the Victoria Seals, that was your last year of professional baseball. Mm-hmm. You went straight into coaching after that, correct? Uh, so I actually started coaching in like 2006 a little bit with some younger kids through some, through some uh, organizations that I used to help out that helped me out when I was playing in high school and college. And uh, my first actual taste though, I would say was 2007. Um, I worked for the Reggie Smith baseball Academy. Uh, Reggie has been my mentor since I was about 15, 16 years old, somewhere in that neighborhood. And he's taken me under his wing and then helped me, you know, learn about the game and, you know, go in more depth with things and, uh, my own experiences and how to relate to players. And, uh, yeah, so this is, if I'm not mistaken, this is probably like my 16th or 17th year coaching um, from the time that I first started to now where I'm at. Uh, and I've coached, uh, I mean, the littlest guy, six, seven years old to helping out with major league players. And, you know, I've gained a lot of experience and learned from a lot of players. And, you know, it's it's been a lot of fun, though. So you said you got to work with Reggie Smith at his academy. As we all know, Reggie was a great player. If you look at his numbers. Yeah, all he's almost a 300 hitter, I think, lifetime from what I saw. Mm-hmm. And so just working with him, what was probably the, probably the biggest lesson you took from him? Uh, pay it forward, um, you know, because I was a kid that, you know, my parents came from different countries to, you know, live the American dream. And if they weren't here, I, I mean, if they didn't come here, I would not be sitting here in front of you today and having this conversation. So, um you know, it's just uh, paying it forward. I didn't, my parents sometimes didn't have the money to pay for stuff. And Reggie, you know, he took me under his wing and said, Hey man, if there's a way that you can help out, you know, and I, I, you know, I'm still in debt to Reggie uh, to this day, uh, you know, and he helped me out where, you know, he didn't charge me, but when I became an instructor and, you know, I had those kind of situations, he made sure he goes, just make sure you pay that forward. And I was like, I will. And, you know, I think, uh, understanding to be a good listener and letting the players teach you to help teach them uh, because everybody learns differently is probably the two biggest things that I've, I've learned from Reggie that I've carried with me throughout my coaching career. You know, I think that's a big lesson that anybody could learn right there is just being able to give back for what you receive. I think that's huge for anybody, your kid to an adult. As long as you learn that a lot of people are going to benefit off of that. No matter what your experience is, somebody will benefit in some shape or form. Um, so I, I want to thank you for that. Letting everybody know, Hey, mm-hmm. we got to take care of our own at the end of the day. Um, so you were working with Reggie Smith. Uh, he had a, uh, a kid that moved into the area, wanted to play high school ball in the area, spoke Spanish. You are bilingual. Can you tell me a little bit about that? How you started working with, uh, Roberto Ramos? Yeah. So Roberto, uh, he came from Mexico, when he was 15, I think it was, or 16. And one of our instructors was working at the high school that he was going to, which was Birmingham High School in the San Fernando Valley. And uh, he was busy, obviously, with the team and had some other things going on. So he had reached out to Reggie to see if uh, 
he would take them for a lesson and just kind of check them out. And Reggie, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I was with Reggie. I mean, every single day, regardless in the morning, I'd go pick him up from his house and we'd go get coffee and hang out. So he had mentioned to me that, Hey, we're going to have this kid come in. I'm going to need you to help translate and talk to guy, talk to him and, you know, whatever I'm, I'm going to ask him to do, just, you know, help out with it. And sure enough, like we hit it off and Reggie's like, Hey, just run it. Don't worry about it. I'll, I'll chime in when I need to. I'll say a couple of things here and there, but you, you take care of it. I was like, all right. So, you know, we started talking, uh, try to build his trust a little bit and, you know, checking out his swings, things that we saw, things that he was doing. And we get done with that lesson and we literally sat there and talked for like two more hours. And Reggie ends up telling me, he goes, Hey, why don't you just take him as one of your students? Um, you know, it'll probably be good for you and you'll be able, you know, you'll be able to communicate with him a little bit easier, especially you'll, you'll make yourself available. I was like, yeah, no problem. And he was a kid that I was paying it forward to. Like I never asked him for a cent, nothing, you know, it was just more of the bond that I created with him. And I saw some potential and some skills in him. And I was like, man, this kid's got a chance. So, you know, whatever I can do to help him, you know, I'm all in. And, uh, next thing I know, Reggie and I are asking him for five words a day, so we would do five words in English, five words in Spanish, the same exact words and give us like the definition. And then he would bring it to us. So the first time he was bringing, you know, five words of each and then the next day and then so on, he was bringing in like 10, 20, 30 words. And he was writing them in English, writing them in Spanish. And then we would use them during our work. So we were talking about this word, talking about that word, how to use it in a sentence. And the next thing I know, like three and a, maybe like three and a half months and he's, to this day, now he doesn't speak to me in Spanish. He only talks. <laughs> and if you hear him talk, um, you would never know uh, that, you know, I mean, he, his, he doesn't have a huge accent and his English is really good. And I mean, even to this day, I'll talk to him and I'll be like, man, like your English has even gotten better from last time I talked to you. You know, so he's worked really hard. And, you know, the biggest thing with him was, uh, this was the first year that I met him. And then later, later that summer, um, I was sleeping. It was like one o'clock in the morning. My phone's always on and he calls me and I look and I freaked out and he calls me, he goes, Hey man, um, I just had a falling out with my uncle and I was like, you need a place to stay. And he goes, yeah. So I went and picked him up and he stayed with me. And the next thing I know, he's living in my room and I'm sleeping on the couch or in another bed that's you know, available. And, um, transfer him to my high school, which is down the street, uh, from, from my house. And, uh, you know, it was like a whole disaster trying to transfer him because he was a really good player already. And he only used wood bat at the time. So that was kind of cool to see that, but the coaches from the other school knew that. And, you know, they didn't want to transfer him. They're like, Oh, we'll have somebody pick him up. And I, I had this thing, like this kid's living under my house. And I can't take them all the time because at the time I was still working on becoming a firefighter and then doing baseball stuff at the same time. And, um, uh, talked to the coach and he's like, we'll get some players. I was like, no, I can't have that. I need to have an adult come pick them up and bring them. And so long story short, I ended up transferring schools. Then he was going to have to sit out for 30 days, which was going to put him like almost halfway through the season. And, uh, I had to get, his parents had to send documents for me to become his legal guardian, had to go to through court system. I had to go present myself in front of LAUSD, LAUSD school district and uh, basically like plead my case. Like, Hey, this kid's living under my house. I'm taking care of him. You know, I'm providing for him. I'm now his legal guardian. He shouldn't have to sit out. Like it's not, it's not, be, we weren't transferring him because we wanted him to go to my high school. We were transferring him because I became his legal guardian. I had to take care of him. And he ended up, uh, transferring played the whole year won the city championship at dodger stadium and uh, was the mvp of the game ended up uh not getting drafted which was kind of tough for him i thought he was going to get drafted ended up going to community college went to college of the kings in uh, college of the kings in valencia and when he got done there that next year he got drafted by the rockies in the 10th round i think it was or 11th round and played six years with the Rockies, and now we're f- going forward to 2018, and I'm with the Rancho Cucamonga Quakes coaching first base, and we're playing against the Lancaster Jethawks, and uh, Roberto's over playing first base. So that was really awesome, not only to see a kid that I've, you know, 
help support, you know, and, and help them in any way that I could. Uh, he'd put in all the work and I was just there to basically help him at whatever he needed. And, um, to see that and see his, uh, you know, the numbers that he's put up in the last six years and now what he's doing in the Korean baseball league. Uh, I guess you could say I'm like a proud dad. <laughs> uh, that's pretty much the feeling I was getting right now. Must be like such a surreal moment being able to sit there coaching and there's a kid that you literally raised and helped teach baseball and everything. He's right there playing first base in a minor league uniform in an organization, uh, Rockies organization, great organization as well. And now I've seen videos of him in the KBO killing it. This yeah. dude's hitting bombs left and right. I feel like a proud dad because everybody, I mean, you see all my videos I post of him. It's just kind of cool to see those things, you know, from where he started to where he's at now and getting all this TV time and he hasn't changed. He's still the same kid. And, you know, I talk to him at least once, twice a week, if not more. And, you know, I mean, one day, it was probably about a month ago, we talked for like five hours on the phone. <laughs> oh, that's a big phone bill. <laughs> all kinds of stuff and, you know, going over, you know, what his experience been like. So it was really cool. And honestly, it went by so fast. Didn't even realize how long we were talking. That's an amazing moment. I I strive to have a relationship like that with somebody someday. <laughs> but that was really cool. Um, just jumping to 2020, you were speaking a little bit about your academy, um, the PD Montero Baseball Academy in L.A. Um, I noticed that your logo is a firefighter due to your time as a firefighter, correct? That's part of it. There's another part to that as well. Um, so... Um, Actually, a couple of days ago was the anniversary, seven years that uh, my good friend Kevin Wojak died. He was one of 19 firefighters that was, that perished in a wildland fire, uh, part of the Grand Mountain Hotshots. And, you know, hadn't been a firefighter for, you know, a short time. And, you know, his love for baseball, my love for baseball, his love for the fire service as well. Uh, you know, I just wanted to create my own brand. And it was, you know, it was more because I wanted to do something to honor him. And, um, the best thing that I could come up with was, uh, the firefighter, you know, kind of logo, but also he's hitting a baseball. So he's got an ax in his hand. And I thought that was like perfect to represent him myself. And, you know, just, you know, my, my, my love for the fire service and baseball and, uh, just this year, I, you know, you guys, you've been seeing, I put up some new shirts and actually his new shirts, uh, have the KW 19 on the left sleeve, um, in honor of him. So that's kind of the whole story behind the logo and how I came up with starting my own brand and, um, you know, starting the Montero baseball Academy. And then you're, so you have your Montero baseball Academy. Um, you're getting a lot of students right now. What would be the biggest lesson that you'd give to those kids besides the paying it back? What would you say, hey, when you're working on, on the game, let's try to focus on this, and that's going to be what elevates you to the next level. I mean, I would say use your time wisely. That's number one, especially right now. There's a lot of time to do things. Uh, you know, I've been talking to some travel ball coaches and people that I know, and some kids are already starting to play in other areas. And one thing that they've noticed is that they're uh, they're a little out of shape. And you know, I've encouraged kids through the years to – you know, even if it's doing push-ups, sit-ups, pull-ups, you know, dips, whatever it is. I mean, there's form of running. You guys can run the bases, run around in the neighborhood, you know, run some sprints. I think that's going to help you, you know, prepare for the long run of, of, you know, being in shape to play the game. But then at the same time, too, like, man, I, I was throwing the ball off the wall yesterday here at the house, you know, just working on keeping my arm in shape, but also just trying to figure out different ways to – approach players about you know fielding or, or how to move their feet things like that so you know if you have a wall or a return net like and you have some space like use it and it might be boring but I promise you those are the things that I did as a kid when I couldn't go to the field and it helped me tremendously well if you can get a net in the backyard with some balls like hit off the tee if you guys have luxury to a cage like you guys need to be able to you know take advantage of those opportunities you know if you have a cage at your house and you know also, I mean, there's also like practicing with a purpose, but I think the biggest thing is, you know, the repetition right now for the young guys as they get older, then you can get a little more mechanical and work on certain things. Perfect. And one tip that you would give to our baseball moms and dads who are constantly just 
pushing the kids, pushing the kids, pushing the kids, maybe to work. It's all lawn shingles or whatever. What would you tell them? I mean, I'll be honest with you. I dealt with that a lot uh, before I started working for the Dodgers because I worked with younger players and, you know, little league and middle school, high school, college. Um, some of the advice that I would give any parent is let your kids play, let your kids do their things, let them be creative. Um, coaching from the stands or from the dugout doesn't help them because it makes them think about too many things. Those are the times you work on in practice or when you're on one-on-one at the park with them, you can talk to them all you want. But when it comes to the game, like just let them have fun and enjoy the game. The last thing you want to do is push a kid from the sport. Um, and, you know, again, try not to get yourself involved with what your kid's doing and how he's playing. And, you know, the coaches, regardless of how they feel, you know, there is a whole thing of daddy ball, which I understand, but if your kid's playing a certain position and you want them to play a different position, I think the biggest advice I'll give kids all the time is when they ask you what position you play, you say, I'm a baseball player because I could play anywhere. Um, because if that means I have to play left field instead of sit on the bench versus sitting on the bench and not starting because I told them I don't want to play left field, like, okay, well then you're going to sit on the bench. So I think for parents is letting your kids grow, letting them fail a little bit and having an understanding of, you know what, like they're going to get knocked down and they're going to have to find a way to get back up because mommy and daddy can't always, you know, take care of those things, make things right just because they're going to go talk to somebody, you know? So I think that's part of what is going to help our, the next generation of athletes and humans just in general. I love that. Um, just a quick thing. Actually growing up, I was all infield playing mm -hmm. baseball. I just, Infield, 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 whether I'm at short or I'm second. I even played first at, at one point. And mm -hmm. once I got older, I realized I want to keep playing. I got to move to the outfield. I just – my fielding wasn't as good as other kids, and I would use my speed in the outfield. So I think that's a great lesson to tell kids that, hey, maybe you're not at the spot you want right now, but take the spot, learn the spot, and maybe you'll move on to another another position because you want to be a baseball player or a soccer player. You don't want to just be, I'm only a shortstop. I'm only a left fielder or whatever or center fielder. So I think that's a great lesson to other kids. Yeah, and I also think if, you know, people that are listening to this are probably all Dodger fans. If you just look at our roster and what our guys are capable of doing and playing all these positions, I mean, that's that tells you if it's happening in the big leagues, I mean, it should be happening at all levels. So speaking of Dodgers, uh, we haven't had our Dodger time. No Dodger baseball or anything like that for the past about what it's been two months already. We were supposed to be heading into all-star break um, at Dodger Stadium. Fortunately, we're not going to get that. Um, what do you think of everything that's been going on with this hiatus? I mean, it's been tough, but, you know, I will say uh, it's about the health of the people in the country and how we can get past this, um, you know, being safe and protecting ourselves as much as possible. You know, it's unfortunate that this happened to all of us, but, you know, I think it's, um, it's something that, you know, we have to do our part to make sure – we're protecting ourselves from others and so on. And we're not spreading this, you know, I mean, it seems like we're spreading it even more now. Um, so I think just, you know, being careful is really important for me and, you know, knowing, you know, don't take things the wrong way when people say, Hey, I would love to see you, but it doesn't mean that they think you have the virus. It's more of, I need to protect the other people that are around me. Um, you know, and I think with that part, I mean, there's not much else we can do at this point, or, you know, prior to now that we're going to have a season because it just, we didn't know what was happening in the country. So I, I couldn't agree more with you. I think everybody needs to realize what is going on. I think there's too many people that are just feeling I need to get out. I need to get out and not thinking about the health of everybody else. Um, not everybody's in the same situation. Some people live with older people or people that have underlying issues. So I think that's something that people need to respect a little bit more. So I think it's a good thing that baseball was put on at a halt. You know, unfortunately, and as a fan standpoint, I'm not in the game like you. Um, I kind of wanted a little bit sooner because just because they had negotiations out in the public, in the public eye, and we saw everything that was going on, um, we were really looking forward to getting something or at least more than the 60 games, just if possible. Uh, what do you think of the 60 games and how that it could, could affect baseball this year? I mean, 60 games are awesome. It's going to be a sprint not a marathon this year. Um, and again, 
2017, the Dodgers in the first 60 games went 51 to nine. So, I mean, if we can do that again, I will be sitting pretty. Um, you know, I think it's going to be a test for everybody just because, you know, some guys had availability to do things others didn't, or, you know, they had, you know, maybe minimal things to do. And I think it's whoever, whoever at the beginning might have a little bit of a deeper roster that could help. I think that's going to, you know, help everyone. Um, but I think the Dodgers are in a good place. We have a lot of young talent and we have some older guys and you know, who knows, maybe this rest ends up helping us in the long run because we're going to be fresh for a longer period of time because it's a shorter season versus, you know, the grind of 162. Um, but again, I don't know the honest result. It all depends on when the season gets going and what we see and, you know, everyone's like you guys need all the teams need to get hot right away if not you're going to be in trouble this is true so I think this time with the spring training summer camp whatever they're calling it I think uh, guys are going to be intense and try to get as many at bats to get ready for game one did you happen to see um, the Dodgers today posted I think it was Turner hitting at Dodger Stadium and they put the sound effects out and he's kind of imitating the home run (laughs) <laughs> I thought that was a pretty cool moment, but so as a professional player yourself at one point, what is it like to have nobody in the stands? Cause I know uh, indie ball is not 50,000 like Dodger stadium, but you're still getting fans and you're still getting the reaction and feeding off their energy. These guys I think have been used to it because although we are a young team, we have some older guys who have been in the league and who are used to a certain atmosphere, especially those long tenured Dodgers. Yeah. We know we get loud. We know we get rowdy. We know we get behind the team. Mm-hmm. How do you kind of supplement that, that feeling and try to do your best moving forward? I don't know. That's tough. I mean, just to think about those things where, you know, sometimes it'll motivate guys. Sometimes it won't. Um, I think, I think the unity within the team and, you know, the leaders of the team and uh, the coaching staff and keeping everybody motivated. I still think that the common goal, at least with the Dodgers is we're trying to win the world series. And I think the guys have been waiting for so long to play now that I think they're going to be motivated to play anyways. You know, I don't, there's not a thought of like, Oh, well, there's no fans. So why are we playing? You know, it's more of, yeah, we're going to go out and try to win a world series. And I mean, look at the new additions to the team, things like that. Um, Even from the younger guys, just, you know, the Gavin Lux, the Will Smith, Matt Beatty's, you know, even having those guys, what they're going to do in a full year. I mean, I'm excited, even though it's not a full year, but it's going to be a playoff atmosphere with or without fans every single game because of the nature of the short season. And you're kind of almost in a do or die every series, because if I'm playing 60 game, I only get 20 series. I got to win probably 15 of those series, give or take in order to move on to the playoffs. Um, You were speaking about the younger guys. I personally was looking forward to seeing Gavin Lux after seeing a little bit of what I last year and hearing all the great hype about him. I was super excited. What do you think we can expect from him in a 60 game stint? What would be your estimation on his stat line? I mean, just looking at Gavin the last two years when I had him in Rancho and in Tulsa, um, he's going to get hot real fast and he's going to probably stay where he is. Um, That's just my personal opinion because I've seen it the last few years where, you know, even if he does go get slow at times, I mean, he just, for whatever reason, he just knows how to make adjustments quickly. And, and uh, you know, I think he's going to be fine. I I don't know what his numbers are going to look like just because I'm not too big on the numbers things as far as that's concerned, you know, at that level, but you know, it's more of, what is he going to do? And he'll tell you, he goes, I want to do whatever it takes to win a world series. So he's going to be a big part of the team and he's going to help in any way that he can. And, you know, I think he gets that opportunity to play every day and uh, you know, you're probably going to see some really good things out of him. As a Dodger fan, that's what I love to hear, especially him saying, Hey, let's put the team first. There was a little talk in the off season. I don't think it's going to happen anymore of him possibly transitioning into left field. Is that something that you think he'd be capable of just because they were saying ahead of time before the Mookie Betts trade, I believe it was that, Hey, we might have to move him out here to get more at bats. Yeah. I mean, we talked about in the off season a little bit uh, because I got to see him this off season at at the stadium every day. Um, 
when he was in town and he talked about it. He's like, well, I mean, if that's what they want to do. Like I'm going to, I'll go out there and work if I have to, you know? So, you know, he was, he was willing to, if he, if he was asked to go out there, he would give it the best effort. And he's pretty athletic that I think he would pick it up pretty quickly without, without any hesitations or limitations. I think he would be fine if, you know, if that, if it came down to him having to go out there. So that's very good to hear. There's another guy um, to the, to the right of him playing shortstop, Corey Seager coming back from, a year, uh, he got injured a year ago, came back last season. I thought he performed very well. People felt he underperformed. Um, just can you give us what you think where he's at mentally and physically, if you have any idea? Yeah, I mean, um, I was fortunate enough to talk to him that off season before last year because he was doing all his rehab stuff uh, at the stadium and, you know, trying to get back into his throwing program and all those things. But uh, some things that he did talk about was that, he was really excited that nothing, I guess, like he wasn't in any pain. Like it was the real off season that he could have and he could actually work out and do things and, you know, preparing himself instead of, you know, something bothering him and him trying to work through those things. And, you know, I thought he had a pretty good year last year too. And, you know, again, he's coming off, you know, two surgery, two big surgeries that he had. And um, I think once, I think this year will be a good thing. And he got a little extra rest with what, what happened. And, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see him, you know, fall out and do his thing too. As am I, if I'm, if there's somebody that would be on Corey Island as president, I think I'm going to take that role just because I've been big on him since day one. I was looking forward to him. I remember him coming up, uh, I believe he was in San Diego and he goes off and hits 350. his rookie, (laughs) that little rookie stint. um, I think it was 30 games, took over for Jimmy Rollins, goes into the playoffs. Hits number three for the Dodgers in the playoffs against the Nationals. No, against the Mets. So there's just, I think he's going to have a big season. I think he's going to get back to it. Um, I know we spoke um, outside of this that he had the Tommy John, and that was something that he actually needed way before he even got it. Uh, yeah, I mean, from what I heard, I, I guess it was more of it bothering him for a while, but I don't think, I mean, I don't even know if, if they knew or anything. It just was that one day, I guess, when he played and he felt something, but I mean, again, he's just said that, you know, he's played with aches and pains and, you know, I guess us as baseball players and, and, and us is, you know, trying to be strong all the time and fit that you know, you kind of just work through those things. So it was kind of weird that, you know, it happened and unfortunate, but I'm glad that, you know, it got fixed and taken care of at, at that point. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, so we're talking about 60 games for the Dodgers. Dodgers have, I would say, two of the best four players in the whole baseball league and all of MLB with Mookie Betts, Cody Ballinger. Um, they're going to face a lot of these top guys this year because we're going to be mixing the division. Um, the ALNL is going to mix regionally. We're going to have just one West division, which is going to form of the Padres, the Rockies, Diamondbacks, Dodgers, and those guys up North. So, yeah, and, and then, yeah. And then we got the AL coming in where we have the angels coming in, Oakland's coming in Seattle and that last team. Oh, well, we have one, two Texas teams. We have one team that I think plays a, a good way and has the integrity of the game in mind. And there's one team where we have a little issue. Um, just what do you think that's going to play out like with the West, the Central and the East? Who do you see coming on top of each division? Well, I'll tell you right now. I mean, in our division, it's going to be us. I mean, that's just how I feel. And, you know, the other teams, honestly, I was was listening to MLB radio the other day and they were talking about like, the Cincinnati Reds and the Cleveland Indians might have a chance, you know, to like do something because it is going to be a shorter season. So some teams might benefit from it, you know, and uh, the East is going to be, it's going to be pretty close. I think it's going to be tight, especially with you're talking about Tampa Bay with their openers and all that. I mean, that's going to be some really good baseball on that side. And I mean, I, I honestly could see, some teams that probably wouldn't have made the playoffs might have a chance to make it this time just because of the shortened season. And, you know, they might get hot at the right time and, you know, they'll just keep running with it. Do you think you can give us a dark horse from each league or from each, uh, each, um, I'm sorry, division. I'm assuming we're not going to see the Marlins or Orioles out of the East (laughs) 60 games. I don't see them being able to top the do too well in it. Um, But any dark horses that you see in the East 
Um, wow. That's going to be. Maybe a young Toronto team gets hot. You know yeah, Vladdy hitting. Maybe Toronto. Yeah, Toronto, especially with those young guns, I, I think they might be able to catch fire quickly and, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Um, if any of the other teams get off to a slow start, I think that'll be one. Uh, definitely just because I kept hearing about Cincinnati or, you know, I think somebody was even mentioning something about Pittsburgh, you know, they, they don't, they don't have, I mean, they have some guys over there, but I think in a short season, it could change a lot of things for a lot of teams. Um, and then in, in the West, Maybe the maybe the Angels, maybe. Okay, so that's an interesting point. I was thinking the Angels, they just picked up Rendon. You got a healthy Shohei. You still have the best player in baseball, Mike Trout. For 60 games, do you think they can actually put together a decent starting rotation? Because the offense has never been the issue. Yeah, that's the other thing, too. Like, again, pitching is – I mean, that goes for anybody because we don't know until the season starts where pitchers are going to be. I mean, the Dodgers have a method of doing things where um, I saw – uh, they were talking about starters are only going to go four innings or a certain amount of pitches to begin. And then they'll kind of build them up a little bit, which is smart. And some teams might do the same thing and some teams may do something different. So I think the health of the pitchers is what's going to dictate the rest of the season. And of course the position players too, because if you lose, you know, big guy or, or two, I mean, that could put your team in jeopardy and not, not just injuries, but we're also talking about the virus still. You know, somebody goes down and all of a sudden two guys get it, three guys get it. Now that changes your your roster and what guys you have on the taxi squad and bringing those guys up and filling in. I mean, there's there's so much that goes into it more than anything. And, you know, I think it's uh, – I was reading something, again, it, the best – the teams that are going to play the best or do the best are the ones that take care of themselves off the field. You know, so yeah. Just really quick, um, you and I know what the taxi squad is. Could you explain it to our listeners what that's going to be this season? Because it's a new implemented thing. Yeah, the COVID crisis. Basically, it's like a pool of players that potentially could help the major league team at some point. So some of those guys were, if if I'm not mistaken, yeah, most of them. There's a few that weren't, but most of them were in major league camp to begin the season, and they got sent down, or they were still up there at the time, and based off of where they're at in their career as a professional and, you know, their ability, um, you know, if they needed those guys to use them in a game, they would, you know, those were the guys that got selected for not our team, but all the teams um, in general. Um, Thank you for that. So another new rule that got implemented is going to be the universal DH for, I believe it's the first time ever. Uh, We normally used to in the National League for the Dodgers and everybody like that. We see the pitchers hit. That's when we get to see our Kershaw's, Bueller's. Last year, uh, we got to see Rich Hill. Everybody loves to see him try to take an at-bat there. Um, We're not going to get the opportunity to see them this year. We're going to get a lot of DHing. You and I were speaking off air that Dodgers roster is probably built best. Um, Do you want to explain why other teams might be at a disadvantage? Um, yeah, I mean, if you look just, I mean, the Dodgers, the whole team can rake. So <laughs> uh, you can pretty much put anybody in that DH spot or even bring in a position player that's already on the field on a regular basis and give them a day off by DHing. And you can put somebody else out and they can get at-bats but also get some work in, you know, in on the field. Um, you know, so I think that's an advantage for us because if you look at all the guys that are on the roster, um, any of those guys could fill that position or a position on the field. Um, now other teams may not have that luxury. They may not have as much talent as the Dodgers do. Uh, and they may not have a guy where maybe one of their big boppers, they'll maybe he's not the best defensively and they'll take him off the field and put him in the DH spot more often than none. Um, but you know, again, I think how they manage the DH and who's going to be in that role, because it's also not easy to be in a DH role. Um, where you're not on the field, you're not engaged in every play, and then all of a sudden you're you're just worrying about hitting. And there's guys that are meant for that, and there's guys that, you know, would much rather be on the field playing. And, you know, I think with us, at least, it's going to – we're going to benefit from it, I think, more than anything. So the Dodgers have a veteran player that I'm thinking of that comes to mind, um, has some knee issues, older player, is Justin Turner. Do you think this would probably be – one of his more productive seasons because he might be able to get more time off the field, but keep the bat in the lineup. 
Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, it goes for anybody. Um, knowing JT, he's gonna, he's gonna want to be out there every day playing and doing whatever he can to help the team win. And, um, you know, if that means his day off is going to be in the DH role for whatever reason, he's in for it. But if his name is on the lineup in the five, you know, five position, he's going to be, he's going to be ready to go. Um, you know, I, I would definitely say that about anybody on our team that, you know, if their number's called, they're going to be ready to go. So we're talking about the Dodgers having the roster that can fill the DH. A lot of these National League teams aren't built to fulfill that position just because we're used to seeing double switches, pinch hitters. What do you think could have been, uh, if you can speak on it, what do you think could have been done to help these teams maybe a longer or do something for the free agency at this point so that they can try to build quickly? Is there anything that you felt that could have happened to maybe help these National League teams out? Honestly, like, again, um, that's probably, I wouldn't say a tough question, but I, I, I wouldn't know the answer to that. But what I will say is that's where, you know, we talk about in player development and making sure guys are ready to go, um, you know, and the guys that they selected for that 60 man, which was 51, I guess, uh, you know, those are the best 51 guys that we thought would be able to help the major league team if they needed them at any point. And I mean, if you look at the last couple of years, at least since I've been here, we've used probably over 50 to 60 players every year at the major league level that have worn a uniform. You know, so when you're talking about that, like there might be an opportunity for those guys on our taxi squad to come in and, you know, help out. And again, it all depends on the injuries and how guys are feeling, you know, and the virus, you know, that's why it's so important. You know, our jobs as minor league coaches and instructors and all those things is to help prepare those guys as best we can. So when they get to the big leagues, it's just an easy transition from, you know, the things that we do from positioning cards in the infield, the outfield, using the same uh, terminology around the bases, things like that. Um, you know, sign sequences, all those things that are expected of our guys at the major league level. You know, we work on those things from AAA all the way to the Dominican uh, with our summer league teams there. Uh, you know, and I think that's one thing that I've noticed about our organization compared to others. Um, some of them, I don't know what they're doing on their end, but I just know what we're doing. And, you know, there's a lot of guys can go between levels back and forth and they're going to know the expectations and what things we're doing at each level. And then it's also a plus because the coaches all talk amongst each other and we're, Hey, he's been working on this. He needs help with this. This is what he's been doing. And then we just kind of carry that over when they come to us. So we're going to get Major League Baseball back. We're talking about the young guys. Unfortunately, though, we're not going to see all the young guys. Minor League Baseball was canceled uh, due to the COVID-19 crisis um, or pandemic. And how is this going to eventually come back and hit baseball? Because having these young guys, unfortunately, not getting the experience that they need, the work that they need. um, How is this going to impact baseball? And are these guys going to be working at minor league facilities still? Or is it basically a no minor league season. So guys go home, practice on your own and be ready for next year. Yeah, I mean, we kind of been doing that right now. Um, it's definitely tough to hear that there isn't a season, you know, some of these guys had an opportunity to, you know, maybe show their skills off again or, you know, have a really good season and who knows what would have happened. Um, you know, I think the Dodgers are going to, we're going to try to find every Avenue to get our guys some kind of work at some point when things start to get better in the country and, uh, you know, if that means, you know, bringing small waves of players and, you know, having them work out at, at Camelback and all those things, you know, I, I can definitely see us doing that. Um, we're going to try to help with the development of those guys and not let them lose a year uh, as far as, um, you know, preparation and working out, doing all those things, training and, you know, working on a specific aspect of their game where, you know, pitchers need to throw innings so they might get live at-bats against pitchers. I mean, there's so many things that you can do to help those guys out. Yes, it's not the same as being in a grind and traveling and riding a bus and, you know, all those things. But I think doing something is better than nothing. Um, But I think we'll just have to wait and see what happens. Uh, Our guys have been really good about, uh, you know, putting in their work. I mean, we're constant communication. They're sending us videos of them hitting, of them uh, pitching, working on, you know, throwing a bullpen, working on certain drills. So, you know, I think 
that's a culture that we built from the entire organization. Uh, and it was like that when I got here and, you know, we just try to develop it and make it better every year. And I think our players buy into that and they, you know, they trust us with that and, you know, they're giving in as much as we are. And I think that's a plus on our end and, you know, hopefully we can get these guys all on the field at some point, uh, whether it's in waves or, you know, satellite groups somewhere where they send a coach or two out and, you know, we'll just have to wait and see what happens at that point. Well, let the guys know that we have a Dodger fantasy camp MVP willing to go out there, help them out, do anything that they need. <laughs> so make sure that they know that I'm free anytime guys, anytime. Um, just real quick. We're going to go through, um, we're lucky enough to get a sponsor now. Uh, Replace your base has a new segment with us. The replace your base quick fire questions. It's just quick questions. First answer that pops up to your, in your head. Give us what you got. All right. So our first question is going to be, or let me give you the background story before I give it to you. Quick. Vegas has odds on which Astros player is going to get hit first. I think they have Bregman being the number one guy. Um, who do you think is going to get hit first? You know, honestly, like, I don't know who's going to, if they do at all, especially with everything that's going on. And there's all these regulations that they're putting in. Um, I guess policing themselves when the game goes, I think that's going to happen. Um, I mean, it could be the very first game, very first pitcher, whoever, depending on the team, like they might just hit the first guy. I, you know, I don't know. I, I, I couldn't speak for anybody. I'm just, you know, if somebody is going to get hit, they might just hit the first guy. They might, you know, you might wait, you might not. Um, but who it's going to be first, I, I could probably say I have no idea because it could be anybody, you know. If you're Dusty, do you put one of the main guys on top or do you put somebody else? So hopefully it's not the first guy. Honestly, like, see, and I grew up understanding, like, the old school way of baseball. Like, if you did something and you knew you were going to get hit, like, you would just take it and move on. Um, so also Reggie telling me stories about Dusty, like, Dusty's going to be like, well, you know, if that happens, it's going to happen. But I don't think that the the Astros are going to change their lineup for the protection of the players. Because if that's the case, and I think they'll end up – guys will all opt out and not play because of the virus, you know. So I think that that's where – for that, I don't think it really matters in that sense. I don't think they're going to change what they're going to do. Um, you know, if teams decide to to hit a guy, I mean, that may happen, that may not happen. You know, there's, there might be other ways, guys sliding in hard to the base. I mean, there's so many different things that can happen. And, again, I think it's going to be hard for any team, I'm not even speaking for the Dodgers, just any team to think about those things because if guys get thrown out and there's a brawl, there's suspensions. I mean, there's so many other things right now that I think will change people's minds of how they approach certain things. All right. Question number two. Thank you for that one. Do you put an asterisk on the 2017 title? I mean, not, I mean, it, it sucks what happened. Uh, but I think if anything, just not having a winner for that year would be good. I guess. Oh, just a full strip. Just let's just say, Hey, we're going to strip it. Move on from there. Nobody won that year. Um, but again, you know, there are advantages and disadvantages to, to being able to do what teams were doing. And, um, you know, there's a certain, you know, there's written rules of like things of how you do it and how you don't do it. And, you know, it's, uh, it's definitely a tough subject to talk about, but, um, I mean, if it was, if it was like completely stripped, I, I mean, I just don't see and and knowing, talking to some of the players like they don't want the championship because that it's not the same it's not fully it's not completely earned so like for them it would be more of like just don't give anybody a trophy and you know that would be kind of let's go from there yeah i was lucky enough to be in a lot in the dodger locker room when everything was announced and unfortunately dodgers put out a statement hey we're not going to talk about it so john shoemaker who runs the uh the week is saying hey we're going to follow the dodger code (laughs) kind of bummed me out a little bit i'm not going to lie to you but it's all right. Anyway, let's move on to something a little bit better, a little bit more L.A. Uh, Matthew and I are big Laker fans, big Kobe guys. Who have you worked with that you would say has the Mamba mentality? Wow, that's a good one. Ooh. Uh, there's a kid by the name of Zach McKinstry. 
Okay, yeah, he's had a big spring. He had a big spring training right before everything happened. Zach is a uh, – he's had – this last year he had a really good year and had some opportunities because of guys getting injured and stuff like that. And the year before we had him, he wasn't an everyday player, and then he moved up to double A, and he was, you know, a spot starter, didn't play every day as well. And I don't know, man, he just – he that kid just keeps grinding. That offseason coming into th- this last year, he – I mean, he was working his tail off. So to see him do that and see where he's at now and then getting put on the 40, man, I mean, that's – that guy for me has that Mamba mentality, I would say. Well, Zach, you are L.A. now. You need to own up to this Mamba mentality. We hope to see you playing in the majors soon. I know you're on the 51-man roster, so hopefully we see great things out of you soon. Um, Our next question is, you're an NBA guy. We're NBA guys. Who wins this 2020 NBA title? Everybody's going to Florida. We have, I think it's the 16 teams or whatever it is, or 20 teams, I'm sorry, 22 teams. Who wins? Who wins at the end? Lake Show. Lake Show. Perfect. Why? I mean, just watching, looking at their roster, now they just added J.R. Smith, man. Oh, watch out. <laughs> you know, and I, I think uh, I just have this, like, feeling of, Kobe being around and like, you know, giving them that extra push that they're going to need. And I, I don't know, that's just my feeling, my take. And I might be biased because I'm from LA and I've been a Lakers fan <laughs> my whole life. So, um, you know, to, I think that would be like picture perfect. And then, you know, then this team right here ends up winning the world series. I mean, that would just be freaking awesome. If we had two teams two titles in the 2020 <laughs> that would be amazing i think we've all been looking forward to some kind of championship here in la uh you know us la guys we're used to titles we're used to being on top we're used to being number one so fingers crossed lakers get it done and right after that the boys in blue go and take that title sir next question who wins more games bill belichick and cam newton the recently signed quarterback or are we going to see tom brady and the bucks outdo them this year so I just had this conversation with someone. Uh, we were talking about this and they had mentioned, they're like, we're going to find out how good of a coach Bill, Pel- Bill Belichick is or how good Tom Brady was and then vice versa. So I think, I think it just depends on, I mean, we'll see if they still tear it up. I mean, Cam Newton's good. Don't get me wrong, but if they start to struggle, like I'm going to probably go like Tom Brady. Well, he's the, first, the real deal. First time in a while, Belichick has a guy that's mobile. So we'll see how that goes. Um, you know, Buccaneers added Gronk down there. You already got Mark, um, not Marquise Goodwin. Isn't Marquise Goodwin? Godwin. They have Godwin, the receiver, and Mike Evans. Yeah. So I think that's going to be great to see. Um, wouldn't be surprised if both teams win like 10 games, to be honest. That division over there with New England is pretty weak. So um, that would be fun to see. If you could play in one era, any oh, – I'm sorry. If you could play with one team in any era, what team is it going to be and why? I'm going to play with the Dodgers in the 70s only because I'd like to see from all the stories that I've heard about Tommy and, you know, obviously having Reggie as my mentor and hearing all the stories between him and Jaeger and all those guys. And honestly, like, I would love to be there because I want to see those guys play – live because i mean when i hear them tell stories about each other when they're not around each other it is really cool to go like man he did that like he's he was that crazy or he was that tough you know so to see that i mean not saying that players now aren't tough or anything it's just more of like that was a different baseball brand of baseball that was played and i you know i never got to see it because of when i was born but if i could go back i would definitely say the dodgers in the 70s That'd be a hell of a team to go to. They got the, I believe, multiple World Series. You got just, you got almost a Hall of Famer and Steve Garvey over there. And you got Boomer behind the plate. And we know how yeah. rambunctious he can be and everything like that. So I think that's a great answer. Um, I, I was thinking about it. I don't even know when I would play because I could try to play through any era and they're not going to play me. I'm going to be the bat boy over there on right field. <laughs> even then, I might make sports and the ball's going to go through my legs. I'm going to fall over. So. <laughs> so I don't know about that one. So our last question before we get out of here, who would you recommend to be on our show? And if you have a connection, you got to help us out here. I mean, 
now that I'm thinking about it, I would probably say shoe John shoemaker. He would probably have a blast for this. Um, yeah. And if uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll reach out to him and, and see what uh, his take is on it. I can't make any promises, but I will ask and uh, hopefully he can get on your show. And then maybe you could ask him some questions about fantasy camp and all that other good stuff. Uh, yes, yeah, so you can spread my legend even more. That's what we that's what we need around here. <laughs> I like to think of myself as a young Nomar when I'm out there. Oh, that's awesome. But hey, Petey, I want to thank you for coming out on the show. Um, you've been a big supporter of ours since day one. We literally post our first video. Two seconds later, we're getting comments and feedback from you. So we love that you're listening. We love that you're a fan. Um, once again, Petey Montero, Baseball Academy in LA for those of you guys who are looking to get your kids a little bit better at baseball or just want to get them into it, anything like that. This is the man. We'll go ahead and put up some information about his um, academy, get some more info for you guys. Um, today's episode was sponsored by Replace Your Base, your TV accessory outlet. Uh, Petey, once again, thank you for coming on, man. Thanks for having me, brother. And uh, please tell everyone with your family I said hello. Will do. Guys, that's the end of episode four of Going Deep with Matthew and Jeremy. Thank you guys for listening. You guys know you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Podbean. Feel free to reach out to us on our Instagram account at Going Deep with Matthew and Jeremy or find us on Twitter. Thank you guys. Much love.